And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. John chapter 12, verse 32. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So to unpack the meaning of this verse that I just read, um, it's useful to temporarily bracket out that interjecting clause when Jesus says, uh, when I'm lifted up from the earth. So if you bracket that out, and we'll come back to it at the end, I promise. Um, The main sentence is, I will draw all people to myself. So I want to look at that first. So what does Jesus mean when he says this? I actually think he's intentionally communicating a couple different meanings of this phrase, all people. Um, The first is that in context, we saw that it was some Greeks, right? Some non-Jews, some Gentiles who had come and wanted to see Jesus. And remember, up until this moment, Jesus has been very intentional about really only ministering to Jews, sons of Israel. Remember, there's a famous encounter, I came only for the, the children of Israel. But now he says, I've come for all people. And I think he certainly means Gentiles as well as Jews. A, a truth that um, St. Paul, led by the Spirit, would further unpack to say, you know, women as well as men, the lower caste of society as well as the noble born, right? In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free, all are one in, in Christ Jesus. And to an American, and I am American if you forgot, but to an American in the 21st century, this seems like a just uh, ordinary idea. We're all equal, right? Um, This was not an ordinary idea in Jesus' time. Actually, there's not a religion on the planet at the time that Jesus says this that believed that all people sort of had equal access to God. Everything worked on a stratified system. You had a priestly caste who was super special, and then you often, almost in most cases, the men were then prized over the women, and there were sort of people who were thought that they were just born and had no capability of ever, you know, becoming spiritual. They were too fleshly. And so everything worked uh, on a class system. So when Christ says that all kinds of people are being drawn to him, he's saying something revolutionary in that. All kinds of people, he also means, I think, not not I think, I'm confident, he he means all people numerically, every person. He, He draws all people, every human being on earth, then and now, to himself. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Which knowledge is that? The truth, right? Uh, The wonderful thing about when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, whenever you see those words in Scripture, it kind of immediately pings back onto Jesus, right? That they would come to know the truth, Jesus himself. Jesus himself says in a few chapters earlier in John, Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. So from His uh, goodwill, He died for the sins of the whole world. And that's a verse we hear every Sunday, right, in the liturgy. Um, He died not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So He's paid the penalty for everybody, and every human being on earth was knit together in their mother's womb by God, right? No one was created by some other being. Everyone was made by God. He's drawing all to himself. And this word drawing, um, a useful picture is, this word is used elsewhere in the New Testament, like when you draw fish out of the water with a net into the boat, right? Drawing all people to himself. So from his throne in heaven, Jesus is still drawing all people to himself, but the 
pickle that we find ourselves in, of course, is that he's not the only one pulling on us, right? We're being drawn by Jesus to himself, but we're also being drawn in the exact opposite direction by the world and the flesh and the devil. And so we're sort of stuck in this tension. Now, if it was just a question of power, Jesus has more power in his little finger than the world and the flesh and the devil combined. But it's not just a question of power. The Lord wants our hearts. And so we're, we are stuck in this tension, and, to, and we must decide which way our heart will go. If we choose Christ, if we say, Jesus, I want you and to be your servant and to follow you, right? Whoever, whoever will serve me must follow me. Then that drawing, that sort of tractor beam of Christ will draw us to himself. But if we choose instead with our hearts to say, I want the satisfaction of the flesh and the world and the devil. Well, not very few people choose the devil, but choosing the world and the flesh and by result choosing the devil. Um, we actually resist the drawing of Christ. Right? Even though he's drawing us, even though he's trying to pull us, we're like the fish that's actually swimming against the net. And the terrible liberty he's given us is that we actually can resist his drawing. Right? He's drawing all my, every last human being to himself, but, but we can resist. But the corollary truth is equally mystifying and wonderful. We can also yield. We can also, he's given us the ability out of his mercy to yield to his drawing and say, yeah, Lord, I want to be drawn to you. Pull me towards you. Let me be yours. So that's what the meaning of I will draw all people to myself. And now I'll return back to that clause when I'm lifted up from the earth. So the verse immediately following the spirit speaking through St. John said, oh, he said this about the kind of death he was going to die which is kind of a surprise, actually, right? That when I'm lifted up, that sounds you, like he's, we, you might not have thought that with that word, but John says he means the cross. That when he's lifted up from the earth, like his body was taken up, you know, we don't know, a few feet, could have been several feet. He was off the earth. He'll draw people to himself. And so when we look at Christ crucified, there's... In God's providence, his orchestration of history, that he came at this exact moment of time when this was how you put a would-be criminal to death, that there's all these things going, happening, um, which present themselves also symbolically. So, I mean, at a literal level, when someone wants to be seen by a crowd, if you go a few feet higher, lots of people can see you, right? It's sort of the stage, as it were, that Christ is on. He's lifted up into the air. If we think of Christ's journey as one where he walked on earth, and now he's in heaven. Remember in the ancient view, they, didn't, they, they, they understood the heavens as the lowest heavens is just the air that we breathe, the atmosphere. And the middle heavens is where the planets travel. And the highest heavens is where the angel is. And then God's above the highest heaven. So he's sort of, in a way, beginning a few feet into this journey towards heaven. And some of the ancients who got really into the sort of mathematical beauty of the universe, they also saw in the cross... This, sort of, this perpendicular um, presentation of an X and Y axis, that Christ is like the, the zero, zero of the coordinates spreading out across the entire globe, laterally up to heaven and down to Hades. The cross sort of penetrates into all space. When I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. But the, um, the very last layer of meaning, I think, in this rich verse is that the word, the word lifted up could also be translated elevated or exalted. And in every case, 
when the word is used, it's like an honorary thing. Like, I mean, like how we'd say it, like if you had a job, I got elevated, you know, to the next level of rank or of some kind. That's how that word is used. It's an honorary word. And so Jesus calls his cross an elevation, a lifting up. Which, at first glance, you might think, oh, is this like a, did he get it backwards? Like certainly his ascension, you know, his resurrection, that's a lifting up. But he calls the cross his lifting up, his elevation. The, um, you could think of it as it were that, uh, have, have any of you ever seen like one of the castles or cathedrals in Europe and they have like a big throne on like a bunch of steps leading up to the throne? Have you ever seen one of those in the flesh? You can kind of imagine like these kings inhabiting, like kind of taking the stately steps and sitting down on a throne. The, the place of elevation that Christ chose as the king of kings wasn't a golden chair, well ornamented, but the wood of the cross. And Jesus says in John's gospel, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. He's choosing this specific death. And for him, it was the ultimate perfection of his perfect life. That's what we just heard in Hebrews when it says um, his obedient suffering made him perfect. Um, I, I think it's useful to think about, you know, Christ is this compound, right? He's fully God, but he's also fully man. And I, it's like with the purity of his divine nature, he grabs human nature in himself and submits it fully to God's will, even at the pain of torture and the spiritual uh, agony of the penalty of the sins of the whole world. He's taking human nature and he's kind of wrestling it down. Human nature has been rebellious and wild since Adam. Christ takes and submits to the Father um, and is made, he, make, he makes human nature perfect in the doing of that deed. His is the only flesh so far that has been raised from the dead to eternal life. But because we are found in him, we also hope for eternal life. Eternal life has been made possible because of this perfecting of human nature through obedient suffering on the cross. So even though death, you know, we ordinarily think of a descent and then Christ's resurrection as an ascent, Jesus is saying that this is actually his ascent on the cross. When I'm lifted up from the cross, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to, my, to myself. Um, so all of this is true in the most literal sense that, of Christ dying on the cross on Golgotha. And it's why, as Christians, we never get beyond this moment. There isn't just a moment in history. It's a moment carried forward in his eternal being forever. Right? But we, we, all, we have Christ crucified portrayed in churches and maybe in our homes because we're always to be fixed on the cross. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I preach nothing but Christ crucified. Right? That's the zero, zero, the thing from which everything else springs forth. But lastly, and I offer this just as a sort of coda to that main point uh, with which I'll close, is the idea that um, um, the, um, Christ crucified is also to be lifted up in our lives. Right? He was literally lifted up in Golgotha, but in the sense of presented, Christ crucified is to be presented in our lives. In our minds, in our speech, in our exercises in self-denial, which we're practicing in Lent, um, when we lift up Christ crucified, 
that it has a drawing power. Now, it also has a repulsive power. But my experience is that if you go, if you speak with anybody about God or a higher power or something like that, you might say true things and people might agree or disagree, but there isn't this sort of magnetic quality to the message. Only Christ crucified has this drawing power that draws men and women to himself. So I think we're to speak about Christ crucified specifically, not just the God who loves us in a general sense, but the God who loved us like this in a specific sense. But also when we seek to bear the cross with him, right? when he says anyone who served me must follow me, he means follow me to the cross. That when we bear with patience the suffering that God permits, instead of just taking the fleshly, worldly way of grumbling and dodging and self-medicating or whatever, we bear the cross and we witness, we draw people to him when we bear the cross, when our speech and our will, when our actions look more and more crucified, less self-directed and self-serving and more offering. We point to Christ crucified. Our lives become like Christ's own body sort of symbolically shows forth in the cross. Simultaneously this offering, here I am, and this receiving, this come to me. He doesn't say, you know, I died for the sins of this many, died for the sins of everybody. I've come for everybody. That the cross has this sort of symbolically loaded in the very posture of his body. And when we um, patiently also carry the cross of Christ, we too present Christ and as Christ in the world, receive others to him. Amen.